What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my radio. Destined to be great, y'all. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another week. We're excited to be able to spend some time with you, or uh, you know, rather that you're willing to spend some time with us. Today, it's me, Derek, with mi hombre, Justin. Justin, how you doing? Uh, muy bien. Como esta? <laughs> muy bien. Me too. That's about where I fall apart. We go to Mexico. Como esta? Right. Oh, bien. Me too. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, uh, lost me. Yeah. As soon as they think that you know any Spanish, <laughs> then they go off and you're you're lost in the weeds at that point. Yep. How you doing? Uh, doing well, man. I love, I mean, today that we're recording, this is Thursday. Thursday is my favorite day of the week. Basically I finish up my work week on Wednesdays at three. And, uh, so I, Thursdays are nice to catch up on things and get, have a good balance of, uh, coaching and spend time with the family. So good day. Yep. I remember that Thursday was my favorite as well. Yeah. And now every day is your favorite, right? <laughs> Some are better than others, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have any room to. All right. As you know, uh, the topic today, we're talking about this idea, living a high yield life. And I want to kind of give an intro and kind of talk about what do I mean when I'm talking about this. I have always been interested in, in the question, how do I get the most out of the least amount of time? Essentially, how do I maximize my ROI on my time in life? Most of the time that we talk about ROI, we talk about it with our money, which is important. But when you become more successful with money, you, you start to realize more and more that money is not our most important commodity. Time is. You can, you can always earn another dollar, create more wealth, but you cannot create more time. When, when we talk about this idea of increased freedom in our lifestyle, we often talk about money as a major vehicle to get you there. And I do believe that really to learn how to get the best ROI on your time in life, you also need to maximize your ROI with money. Having more money will give you the freedom to decide how you want to spend your time and it can make your time more valuable. If you have the same job your whole life, just trying to make ends meet and you're, you know, you're working 60 hours a week, it's going to be hard for you to get what you want out of life unless what you want out of life is, is working 60 hours a week. On the other hand, if you can find ways to increase your income, get good returns on your investments, etc., it's going to lead to a life of doing things because they're meaningful for you rather than doing them because you have to. As we've entered a new decade, it has caused me to pause and evaluate the, the last decade in, in my life. And a lot's happened. I mean, I'm young. And so the younger you are, I think generally the more changes that you have. But uh, for me in the last 10 years, I've been married, finished undergrad, was accepted to dental school. Uh, we've had all of our five kids in the last 10 years, purchased a dental practice, purchased over 20 real estate investment properties and partnered with Justin in, in the lifestyle practice and uh, have been coaching other dentists since then. 
I'm not by any means saying all that to say that I'm the best and that, you know, that I should be your example. But I do believe that I've learned a thing or two about getting a great ROI on my time that others may find helpful. And Justin, I, I mean, you're definitely in that same boat. I mean, I've looked up to you for a long time and, you know, you're kind of that an individual that you've accomplished a lot in your life in a relatively short amount of time. That's very relative. Very relative. No, no, but seriously, in the last 10 years, I can think of, you know, you grew your practice, you started the lifestyle practice while you were still practicing as a dentist. You sold your practice. You've probably purchased and sold, you know, over 50 rental units or properties in that amount of time. You know, what were you doing 10 years ago? Probably, I mean, similar to you, probably not even that far ahead. Last 10 years, like the things you listed are all true. We've had, my kids are 11, 9, and 7. So we've had two of our three kids in the last 10 years. A lot of life has happened. I mean, I you change a lot looking back, you know? Yeah. And really, I think with the rental properties, I bet that number's probably 100, 150 wow. over the past 10 years. So incredible. And things have gone well. I mean, they've went pretty much according to plan, but not exactly. I mean, I don't think life ever goes exactly how we plan it. So, sure. but a lot happens in 10 years, no doubt. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people might look at you and, and just think, man, I mean, he's just a top performer. He's just, this, you know, he's a rich guy. He's got, you know, he's got everything going for him and, uh, you know, extremely good looking. I mean, what does this guy not have? I'll give you that. They should think that the others, maybe not so much. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times, I, and this happens still to me, which is interesting. You know, you see someone that's at the top of their game in anything. And a lot of times we uh, think, oh, you know, there's there's just something magic, something special about them. They're just in that group. You know, somehow they're just in that group. And we don't think that it's very intentional when it actually is. So what I would like to attempt to do is to explore more of the ideas and the principles behind what it means to live a high yield life. It's kind of an abstract concept. Concept. So I, uh, I want to try and break it down with actionable steps with uh, specific mindset changes that listeners can put into play and, and get on track to higher yields. So in order to be able to, to be a high achiever and accomplish a lot, you need to be able to figure out where to spend your time and energy. You only get one shot at this life. This is, it's just crucial if you want to make the most of it. So I've spent some time thinking about all of, you know, a lot of these different principles and steps, and uh, I'm going to be discussing them in future episodes. And basically, they're all going to begin with living a high yield life. So in this first episode, we are going to talk about and focus on the first principle of living a high yield life, which is front loading the process. This is a a principle that comes up a lot in our coaching with clients and even in our podcasts quite a bit. So Justin, first of all, can you if you had to simply define the process of front loading the process, how would you define it? Well, first I want to take one quick step back. Um I didn't want to cut you off, but 
you had mentioned, you know, kind of being in your position, looking up to someone, let's say metaphorically in my position. And just as I do to someone, you know, above me. But I think one key thing is that as you continually grow and you reach, let's say different plateaus, I think the more, I think most people, and definitely not all, but I think most, as you grow, as you hit different plateaus in life, I think you realize more and more how much more you have to learn, how much more you need to grow. You know, looking at where I am now compared to, you know, let's say myself looking forward 15 years ago, I would think, I would be thinking, oh man, if I got to that point, like I'd have my crap together. And now getting to a certain point, you just realize like, it's just scratching the surface. You know, I still so much to learn. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. So it's, it's continual. I'm going to, can I put you on the spot for a second? Um, you can try. Do you have an example of something like recently that you feel like has done that for you? I mean, you, you talk about getting to this plateau and, you know, kind of almost, you know, maybe it's a new pinnacle and then you have that new realization and that feeling again. Do you have an example of anything in your life recently where you've experienced that? Yeah. And being totally honest, I think it's in many areas of my life. You know, as I, because I think if you're a continual learner, you know, which I try to be, you know, I try to improve. I don't ever, I hope I never get to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm good enough the way I am. And we'll just play it as it folds out the rest of my life. So as I try to improve and I, you know, I try to improve to be a better coach, like, this week, I'm reading a book called The Coaching Effect. It's a great book. And it just reminds me there's always room for improvement. Same thing with fitness, you know, especially if hitting the big 4-0, you know, it's becoming more and more important. And looking at things like just health, what does it mean to really be healthy? Uh, not just to look okay, but to have longevity in your life. And it's a huge topic. And real estate investing. Like, you know, I listen, you know, I still try to learn either new tactics or be pushed and I'll, you know, read books or listen to bigger pockets, stuff like that. And I realize, crap, there's people that know a lot more than me, even though at times I may feel like I know a lot, still a lot of people that are way ahead of me in many areas. I think that list could go on and on and on, you know, you could learning to be a better father or husband or whatever it is. I mean, at least for myself, I can definitely say I've never, in none of those areas, have I arrived to a place where I'm like, okay, I'm good here. Don't need to learn anything more in this area. It's just, it's constant. And I, I really think for a lot of high achievers, that's probably the proper mindset. I mean, I'm sure if you called up Warren Buffett and were like, hey, you think you know everything about investing? I'm sure he would tell you no. You know, I know a good amount. I'm good in certain areas, but there's people a lot better than me in certain areas. So all that to say, it's a constant growth projection, hopefully. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with with everything that you said. And uh, I think it's really interesting for me to look around sometimes at people around me that I feel like are just totally content living, working their same job for until they're 65. And there's just certain people that uh, it seems like have less, more or less of a desire to improve and to continue to grow. And I would say that it's very likely that our 
listeners and uh, you know those that are attracted to us are always kind of in that same boat, always wanting to improve. And life, the more kind of plateaus that I've reached and and you know kind of pinnacles, I've realized that it's not about getting to the top. It's not uh, you know it's it's not about getting to that one top spot. It's just about continuing to push yourself, as you've talked about. You know, every pinnacle that you reach and plateau helps you to have a better vision and to then see where you want to go from there and push yourself again. That's where the joy and the satisfaction really comes from. Right. And you mentioned being content. I think that in and of itself is a whole topic that I'm trying to learn, you know, because from all intents and purposes, I'm where, you know, if you would ask me 10 years ago, where do you want to be in 10 years? For all intents and purposes, I'm there. But it's a fine line from enjoying that success at times, stopping to smell the roses, but still being in that growth mode. And that is one thing I still I'm working on a ton is figuring out what does that look like? What does it look like to stop and smell the roses, be content? But still, you've constantly got this drive inside of you, like do more, learn more, whatever. So it's just a big learning process. And I don't know, like if you hit 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, like does that, do you finally get to that point? Does that drive stop? Are you still like, ah, 100 years old, what am I going to do for the next 30 days? I'm, I'm alive. Yeah. So time will tell. I would be willing to bet that the mindset that you have now is is going to be very similar. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, we all change with time, but I think, I mean, you talk about Warren Buffett. I mean, there's a guy that's, I don't even know how old he is now, but I think he's close to 90, isn't he? I mean, it's still yeah, so. very much, you know, very active, very pushing, very much pushing himself. So, you know, I think, I think it's very much a choice, but I love, I feel like we're kind of going off a tangent, but this is really good stuff. I think that a point that you made that I want to reiterate is that it is okay uh, to feel good about where you're at now and to feel satisfied and content, but while, while also looking forward to other goals and, and having that drive to continue to push yourself. And I think that's probably the most healthy place where you can be, you know, you go too extreme to either direction that can be a little bit tough. And, and it's always tough to find that, that balance between those. Yep. That's what makes it all fun. It's a fun process. Yeah. Going back to the process. Yeah. That segue. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. On radio, we call that a pivot. I like it. I like I'm it. I don't really know radio terminology, so. Well, well, stick with me, kid. <laughs> Anyways, you said if you had to define the process. Yeah. If you have to define, simply define the process of what does it mean to front load a, a process, how would you define that? And simply, I think, makes it harder when you add that word to the question. But I would Sorry. define the process as a transformation that needs to occur to not only allow you to change your circumstances of where you are to where you want to get to, but also change to become the person that is able to manifest and retain that life that you want. You know, had 10 to 15 years ago, had you magically transported me from the life I was living then to the life I have now, I believe it would be very hard to retain the life that I have now, you know, kind of like when you hear stories of like rich families who just give their kids the world and the kids never need to ask or work for anything. 
and then they blow it all up and end up destitute or addicted to drugs or whatever, because they never had to go through that process of becoming the person to handle those things. You know, I also think that the quote process is very multifaceted. It's very fluid and there are internal and external components to it. For instance, when I started with my dental coach back in, I think it was like 2007, give or take, he looked at my practice and said, if I were running your practice, it would be doing almost about a million dollars more per year, which I think he was likely correct at the time. Just like I feel often now when looking at practices. But at the time, I wasn't the person or the doctor who I needed to be in order to do that in the practice, regardless if the infrastructure was there or not. Skill-wise, mindset, confidence. So in order to get there, I had to change. I had to grow to be able to allow those things in my life. And we can fight the process or we can take bits and pieces of it, or we can embrace it. And I think that may be the hardest to do, but I think that's the most worthwhile. And how I think of it as retain relates to front-loading the process is it's this idea that we're going to put in larger amounts of work now so that we can reap the benefits of that work for a longer amount of time and deal with less hassles and headaches along the way in the future. Yeah. A lot of really great lessons in what you just said. I love the last point that you made that it's when I think of the word front load, we are increasing the load in the beginning of something. And so what that what that means is that we're putting in larger of, uh, amounts of work and energy and and money, you know, whatever in in the beginning so that in the future we have increased rewards and benefits with less work required. That was a better simple definition what you get. Yeah. Well, I uh, I just kind of summarized what you said. <laughs> so, the most common area that we talk about this is in our practices. This idea that we will spend a lot more time training our teams, developing our systems and protocols for how our practices will run in the beginning. All of this that with the idea that uh, one year from now, we will be, it'll be more hands-off. We'll be uh, maintaining those systems with much less time and energy required on our part with hopefully, you know, increased performance. So we're going to go through a few different, uh, a, a, a few different principles. And the first one that we'll focus on is specifically on training your team and in your practice and how that makes a difference. And then we'll get into some others. So Justin, take us through that process of front-loading the process with training your team. Well, this is the area I refer to front-loading the process most often in coaching. We all know that working with and training your team can be hard, often not exciting work. And there are many docs out there right now who either know their team is weak in certain areas, or maybe they have some annoying habits as it relates to the practice that instead of hitting it head on, dealing with those issues and possibly rocking the boat, you know, they just choose to not put the effort in to address it. And I've mentioned this before, but when I took over my second practice that was open four days a week, I immediately cut out Thursdays from seeing patients to use that time for training my team. It was a tough decision because the practice was struggling. So going in and cutting out a day of production may not seem like the obvious choice, 
but I knew that was the way the practice would grow. That if I had a team that performed at a high level, that knew how to collect money, discuss treatment with patients, sell treatment, talk on the phone, and provide excellent customer service, that would propel my office in the way it needed to go. And in turn, make it easier on me in the long run, essentially. Just like if you have a sales team, which you do, whether you know it or not, you have a sales team. If I'm at the top and I'm only collecting income off the work and sales that I provide, I'm going to be pretty limited. I'm one person. But if I spend the time to train five team members to go out and sell for me, my business is going to grow that much faster. And that's how I looked at my team. I could put in an extra amount of work and time right now, or I can invest a little bit of time and work over a longer period of time, or I can do neither. So it's like in investing. We've all kind of seen that investment model that shows like if you put in $10,000 as a 10-year-old versus 5000 a year from ages 30 to 50, that person who put in 10000 as a 10-year-old is going to have way more money at age 60 or whatever. And that's how I kind of looked at training the team. I want to put the money in now and let it grow because it's going to end up growing much bigger over time. And when I refer to training the team, I'm talking like really train the team. You know, I'd come in with handouts. We discuss, for instance, how to talk to patients that need a crown or they need an implant or a clear correct. And then next time we're doing a very similar training a month down the road, but they've had time to kind of digest, go over the notes, stuff like that. And then we're going into that meeting and I'm having them sell it to me. You know, let's say you're talking to your hygienist. Amanda, I'm a patient in your chair, missing number 30. Sell me an implant. Go. What would you say to me? And, you know, what are the benefits to that? What if I don't do it? Why didn't my previous dentist suggest it? I want them to be so darn good at answering those questions, just like the back of their hand. And, you know, when you work with them to do that, granted, repeated, it's not fun. It takes work. It takes effort. But if you do that, A, you don't have to do it forever. And B, in my mind, that's when things really start to grow exponentially. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think this is my favorite example of front-loading the process, specifically because I think, you know, all of us as dentists, this is an area that if you can learn this well and put it in place, it has the potential to pay out the highest dividends of anything as far as different areas of your life that you could front load the process. Ultimately, because it's going to make your practice more successful, provide you with more income, allow you to invest, allow you to have more time with family, allow you to have less stress. All of those things can come from a team that is well-trained and that uh, is doing most of the work for you. So, okay, I want to go into a few other areas because front-loading the process is not just something that's applicable in running our business. It's uh, in many areas of our life. So, in an effort to help those listening to really understand what we mean when we're talking about front-loading the process, we're going to talk about it in a few other areas as well. And uh, so one that I want to talk about a little bit is preparing for practice ownership. When I was in this situation, I knew that there was going to be so much to take on as 
a new owner and that my time would be limited. I also knew that at the time I was still in dental school, I didn't have the pressure of owning and running a business. So I could, you know, divide, devote more time to it at that point. You know, I was, I was in dental school, so I was, I was still busy, but honestly, I, I was obsessed with learning anything and everything about business, practice management, behavior management, you know, all of those, those concepts, because I, I knew that that was coming down the road. I, I was trying to front load the process. There were many of my classmates that were confused by me spending so much time on learning some of these things because the, the majority of it wasn't immediately applicable at that time. However, my goal was that if I could learn the principles of leadership, practice management, you know, all those things I was talking about, that I knew that I wouldn't be able to perfect it. But if I could learn the principles and internalize them to where they became almost, you know, second nature to me, that then when I was in a situation where I could use those skills, I could draw from that knowledge bank and react more quickly and naturally. I wanted to accelerate my success in those areas. And I think that's also what front-loading is about, is, is ex- how can we accelerate uh, this process? Honestly, I feel like this worked. I had, uh, you know, I had been in management positions before in previous jobs and in school, but I had never owned a business unless you count mowing lawns when I was 12, which I did make flyers for and, and did not too bad for myself. You know what's weird? I mowed lawns in high school and college. No way. Yeah, because all my friends were, you know, working for like, at that time, minimum wage was like, what, 45 cents. So, <laughs> you know, I'd cut a lawn, took me an hour and it'd be like 30 bucks. So, yeah. So again, same idea, best ROI for your time. Right. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I feel like I didn't have all that much. I had some experience in leadership and management, but I hadn't owned a business really, but you know, there were many times that I was able to remember principles from different courses or, or books when I got to ownership. So it kind of, it almost worked retroactively. I feel like I, you know, I put in the time to develop myself as a leader so that I would know how to react in specific situations. So let me give you an example. I read the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, to this day, this is still one of my favorite books about leadership in business. And uh, one principle that really stuck out to me as I that was about the, the best leaders that he talked about was that uh, they were humble. They were willing to listen to their employees and their teams. And by being humble, they were able to find better ways of dealing with things. And this really kind of stuck in my memory at the time. So those first few months in ownership later on, there were plenty of times that I was faced with situations where I didn't know the answer or, you know, the best solution for things. And because I had read this book and I had, you know, kind of subconsciously almost developed that principle, I allowed myself to depend on my staff and to, instead of getting defensive or upset when I didn't have an answer, I was able to listen to their ideas and uh, ultimately they were, they were a big strength to me. I mean, that doesn't mean that I let them walk all over me, but uh, I mean, they were, they're part of the team and they were, they were helpful. And even to this day, there are times where, you know, I have to remind myself to be humble and to listen, but it continues to benefit me and, and help me stay grounded. If I wouldn't have taken the time to try and train myself and prepare myself for this, I'm sure that I could have learned these lessons later on, but 
that's the opposite of front-loading the process. You know, the opposite of front-loading the process would be just going into things and, you know, not really dealing with the issues, not establishing a foundation or a groundwork, basically just kind of delaying what could be done today for another day later on down the road. So let's, I want to jump into another category now, another idea, a way that we can implement the front-loading process, and that is with building passive income. We've heard from several listeners that you want to hear more about uh, real estate investing and how to increase passive income. So we're going to get into that in some of the upcoming episodes. I view investing a little bit differently than than some. And uh, let me explain a little bit about the way that that I see it. And Justin, I'm interested if you feel the same or if you see it any differently. But I do. Which one? I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Let's see what you say. Then yeah. we'll go. So in order to create passive income, ultimately, you have to start with active income. You have a job. You provide a service. You earn money. Then you take that income and you invest it in other things with the goal of it continuing to provide income, but without the same amount of effort that it took you to receive your active income. So there are many that get excited, so excited about passive income that they, they, they almost focus on it more than they, than they should. And they're missing the big opportunity of increasing their active income. That would, you know, that would ultimately accelerate their success with passive, passive income for, so for example, let's say we have a dentist that is doing 800,000 a year in his practice, 60% overhead. He really loves investing. And after taxes and living expenses, he has, you know, let's say $50,000 a year that he invests in to create passive income. And he spends a lot of time and energy on this. I mean, that's, that's great. But I believe there's a better way. I think that if he would take that same amount of time and effort and funnel that into improving his practice, it's very possible that within a couple of years of effort and in front loading the process, training and doing these things that he could increase the amount that he in- invests and the amount of income that's left over by four or five times, by 10 times. And then every year that income is coming in and, and he's investing it. So, you know, n- now he's built the machine and the machine gives him what he needs to invest and grow his, his passive income. You know, it's, it's like if I'm investing money and I'm, and I'm more concerned about getting my returns from 10% to 12% rather than doubling my income, if I can double my income and get that to be, to get to the point and then I'm able to invest a lot more, that's going to have a much greater return than, you know, getting the actual return on investments a couple percentage points higher. Ultimately, you're getting your money getting a better return on your money as a whole when you focus on your active income first. And when you're in ownership, this is a great opportunity. So I'm not saying to focus on passive income, you know, not to focus on it at all until you're making bank. But I am saying that the ROI on your efforts in your primary business are almost always going to be higher than your returns from investing. No doubt. I agree. And, you know, we always feel your practice is going to give you the best ROI and fuel for other things. And it's proven out that way. I know for you and I and Steve and many others. So I think there's 
There's no question about it. Regarding front-loading the process in regards to passive income, you could also apply it as such. If you're interested in investing, let's say, in real estate, you can read a book and evaluate one property a month. You could do that once a quarter, or you could do that once a day. Maybe you couldn't read a book a day, but you could be looking at properties every day. So the person who is just kind of dipping their toes in and looking at a deal or two a month or whatever it is they're doing to prepare, they can they have the choice to go all in and spend more time on it. You know, read a book a month and set aside eight hours on four Saturdays in a row to analyze a hundred deals and go look at properties. That kind of action for some can take a year to get through a hundred different deals to look at. And for others, it can take two to four weeks. You know, if you're really serious, the longer you take to get from the point of maybe I want to do this to the point of I'm closing on a property is costing you money in the long run. Very likely it's delaying your quote process of getting you from point A to Z. You're just slowing down. You're just delaying your journey, which for some, that's what you want to do. Great. But if you're serious and you really want it, you need to go all in, put the effort in now and then have a longer time to reap those rewards in the future. Totally. I'm nodding my head right now. (laughs) Thank you. I can see that. Can't really see that. (laughs) Yeah. All great points. Next one. Last point. Last point that we'll go over is we'll talk about hiring a coach. Obviously, we are biased on this here because, you know, we've all hired coaches and now are coaches, but uh, it's okay that we're biased because we're right about this one. So let's talk about how does how does coaching allow you to front load a process? This is one of the best examples, I think. When you're starting out in something, whether it's business, playing a sport, investing, whatever, there's a lot to learn and it can be overwhelming. One of the most challenging things can be deciding where to focus your time and your energy. And, uh, you know, honestly, when you don't have the experience, this, this is a tough call to make on your own. However, when you bring in a coach that has been in your situation and and been through those steps, they're going to be able to see your situation from a much, a much broader view. They see, you know, what's, you know, they see what it takes to go through that process. They see what's coming in a year and in five years. And because of that, they're better able to help you know where to direct your attention. I don't know if you remember this, Justin, but when I, uh, when you and I were first talking, I basically told you, I said, my main concern is that I want someone that can help me decide where to focus my energy. You know, I, I mean, I felt like there's a hundred things that I could do to improve and grow the practice, but I know that I don't have enough time to be able to do all hundred of those. So which five of those should I focus on this month? Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. And focusing isn't the goal. You know, most of us can focus at least for a little bit. Focusing on the right things is the goal. Just as an example, you know, one of the number one concerns I hear from docs just getting ready to close on their first practice is, oh my gosh, I don't have my employee manual completed. And I'm not saying it's not important, but I have a list for you of like 10 to 20 things that are more important than that when purchasing a practice. I'll be honest, I didn't have an employee manual for like the first eight years I practiced. And after that, I probably looked at it twice. 
And I'd probably guess that half the dentists in America don't have one at all. So that shouldn't be your priority, number one. Next, and there's many examples like that. That was just one. Next, going back to your initial point of this topic. And again, I've shared this before. One of, if not the biggest driver for me in hiring a coach when I did early in ownership was the fear that I would wait and eventually do it five or 10 years down the road, let's say, and realize, oh crap, if I would have done this five or 10 years ago, my life by now would look completely different. And again, it goes back to that example from earlier, the $10,000 investment at age 10 versus age 30. What does that grow and multiply to? So that's my thoughts on that. But real quick before we end, you know, I know we've talked a lot about macro size topics, but I think the same can be applied on a more micro level to maximize a high yield life as you coined the phrase. And that is how do you win the day or how do you start your day? You know, do you roll out of bed, jump in the shower and speed to the office, you know, walking in at the buzzer? Or are you more intentional? Do you set yourself up for success in some way first thing in the morning? And that could be working out, meditating, reading, whatever it is that gets you fired up. And I definitely see a difference in my performance when I get up extra early and work out versus when I don't. That's why... Even while we're down in Florida right now, Florida, for the winter, the first thing I did on the first day was go and join a gym because I know it helped me win the day. Didn't necessarily feel like it. I don't feel like it at 530 in the morning, but I know it helps me win the day. And regardless of where I'm located, I want to win the damn day. So I encourage you to push yourself. Maybe it will mean you have to get up an hour earlier to start it, start the day right. So be it. If you want it bad enough, get up and do it. And that's very likely part of your process to become that person who is congruent internally with the life you desire externally. I've read a lot of books on high achievers over the years and have yet to come across one of them that starts their day by sleeping as late as they possibly can and then rolling out of bed and reacting to whatever the day throws at them. It's not how it works. They're intentional. And there's a direct correspondence correlation between those people, between getting up and attacking the day, starting it on the right foot, not being lazy. So I just wanted to to point that out, Derek, as we kind of ended. Yeah, I think, I mean, in that point, I mean, I think we'll I'll probably go into more details on on those things in the future as far as what are the little things that you can be doing daily. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that have read the book Atomic Habits. And in there, he talks a lot about those types of things that it's it's hard to improve 100% a day. But if you can improve 1% a day and and be doing those things daily that get you set up, then that's, uh, I mean, some of those small things are where you see some of the biggest differences. Yep. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed today's discussion and that it will help you in your efforts to front load the processes that you experience in order to live a high yield life. I wanted to just quickly share a cool moment that I had recently with a client. We were finishing up a call and he said, he said, you know, Derek, I just want to take a second and let you know this last Wednesday was the first Wednesday in years 
this dentist has Wednesdays off. He said, this is the first Wednesday in, in years that I have had the day off and I wasn't thinking about the practice, stressing about what the next day was going to be like, how our month was going to end up. My wife and I were able to spend time together and I was actually able to just be with her. That was so cool for me to hear. He's putting in the work and he's front loading the process. And a lot of times we talk about seeing the rewards, you know, a year from now. But even when you're in that process, you know, in, in, in a month or two, you start to see some little rewards along the way. And that's what's happening there. If uh, it's cool. Yeah, it, it is. And that's that was a fun, fun moment for me. I mean, I know all three of us, anytime we hear positive things from from clients where they're, you know, making big changes and they're starting to experience the lifestyle changes coming from their practice. It's uh, an incredible thing. I just wanted to throw this out that if any of you are considering coaching or have more questions about what we have to offer, feel free to email any of us. We've listed our email several times, Derek, Steve, or Justin at thelifestylepractice.com. Or you can always go to our website, thelifestylepractice.com and uh, feel free to browse around. Or when you first open it, you'll be asked if you'd like to learn more. If you click yes, you'll be prompted to fill out a survey about your practice and your situation that gets sent to us. And, you know, we're always happy to give some feedback on and thoughts on your situation and, and maybe ideas for how we could help. Yep. And also, we'd like you to join our Facebook group for CLP Podcast. And we'd also like a five-star rating if you're getting value from the podcast. If you're not, don't worry about listening. We get it. So we would appreciate those things. Anyways, have a great week, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Peace.